most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. H.A. Jones. Yes, sir. Do you know what time it is? It's podcast time. It is, but it's unusual because we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. We are. And we normally record our podcast on Sunday night. This might be brilliant. Maybe this could be our new normal. Well, the difficulty is half the week is missing. I mean, not half the week. Well, the weekend hasn't Friday, Saturday, Sunday. A lot happens in those three days. We could pretend that we've already lived the weekend and just like be prophetic about how much fun we're going to have this weekend. Mm, I like that. Or... We could just make this our new normal and wrap it in to the following week. But yeah, then, then it yeah. just feels disjointed. I don't know. What well, It's just not a bad idea, though, to record on a Friday because Sundays are so brutal. They they are. Yeah. The reason we're recording this Friday is because this coming Sunday is going to be slightly more in the brutal department. Yes. Because we're all going to be at church as a family. Yes. We have guests staying with us this weekend. Yes. We have to drive them to the airport. Yes. And then I'm speaking twice at The Belonging. Yes. And so by the time we're done with that, we'll be home about 10 p.m. And that doesn't seem like the best time to record a podcast, although we have done it before on several occasions. So we're trying to be smart, proactive yes. and whatnot. Yeah. But anyway, that's if we sound different, it's because it's like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday instead of like 8 p.m. on a Sunday. Yes. It's, it's weird being in our studio and being able to see sunshine rather than like sunset. I, I know. But the thing is, I spent a couple hours this afternoon making our hedges look good Mm -hmm. and there's like one part i couldn't reach and that's all i can see now i might need to close the drapes because otherwise all i can see is that offensive branch just fix your eyes on me baby okay you're so handsome (laughs) there we go i don't see the offensive branch at all (laughs) it's not in my peripheral screaming at me tell me how your week was Mm. gardener lady it's a good week we um just sort of a normal week got stuff done um I got some stuff written for something I'm working on, which is great. Uh, yeah. It was a normal week. Just lots of meetings. Yeah. Lots of fun meetings. Yeah. You spoke at m Monday I, night. I did. On the sound of your yes. The sound of your yes. Can I do a brief synopsis of that? Yeah, go ahead. I want to see what you got from it. This is a quiz. It's a pop quiz, baby. That's not what I had in mind. Oh. I just thought you had an interesting concept that we give God our yes. Yeah. But sometimes our yes is like, yes, or y- y- yes, question mark. Right. And you were talking about the difference a resolute yes means. Yes. And I thought it was very powerful. And you oh, talked good. all about the power of the sound. Like you went all like metaphysical on us and talked about sound waves and showed some cool videos. I did. I, I got to do a whole bunch of research, which always I always find that fun. You're very sweet bunny. Thanks. Do you want to do a snake update? Okay. So this week, our friend Judah came over uh, to I asked him if he would look at the snake. He said, I will aggression test the snake. And I was like, dude, that doesn't sound safe. And he said he's basically like the crocodile hunter. So, you know, there you go. So he came over and aggression tested our snake by poking at it with a uh, stick with a pillowcase on the end of it. And it did nothing. And then he moved it around and it did nothing. It just seemed happy as Larry. No, he literally physically prodded and tried to get the yeah, snake he, to bite him. he tried to get it to bite. And the conclusion? And the conclusion is uh, it's potentially a very old snake. Uh, it's about five feet long. Um, we have decided to keep him because apparently he'll keep, I don't know, critters away. And poisonous snakes. 
And poisonous snakes. But still, it's a five foot long constrictor snake. Yes. But they're not aggressive. Well, that one isn't. Right. He literally tapped it on the nose with his stick and it did nothing. He he just didn't care. Well, now I'm going to go get some closer photos if it's not aggressive. Well, I don't know if I want you getting close to it. No, I might like drape it around my neck and stuff like that. Yeah, let's not do that. No? No. Mm-mm. So here's an advantage of starting doing our podcast on a Friday. Yeah. We're done our weekly catch up. Yeah, because the whole weekend hasn't <laughs> happened yet, which is like where anything that would be interesting might happen. Well, should, should we be prophetic about what the weekend's going to be like? Well, riddle me this. Yeah. Are you excited about the eclipse? I don't know. I am because it's a rarity. I'm just, I wish I had my plan. I don't have my plan together yet about where we're going to go and all that kind of stuff. And I think once I have the plan, I'll be more excited. Spoken like a true shaper. Thank you. Hey, we did, redid our life languages this we week. We did. Let's talk about that. Okay. I'm loading up my profile. Uh, okay. So if you remember, we talked about life languages uh, a while ago. We had Alison Hendrickson, our life languages expert, on for a couple of weeks in a row. And we interviewed her. Um, I'll put links in show notes if you have no idea what we're talking about. But basically, the life language profile is a communication tool where you basically fill in a 15 to 20 minute long uh, questionnaire online and then it sends you a report saying, hey, this these are the strengths or the weaknesses um, of your communication style. And it's, a, um, it's one of the most effective tools that we've ever used to help us understand ourselves and other people. Yeah. And for those of you who understand... Life languages. Now we should get Mike and Phyllis back to like reassess us from our marriage. Yeah. So our life languages were almost practically identical, but now they were. They were in the exact same order, but just different numbers. uh, No, we had one that was flipped. Well, the top three were the same order. Yeah. Yeah. So I am now a first language contemplator, shaper, Mm. producer, doer, mover, influencer, and responder. And how low is your responder? Um, so I have, my responder has come up. I was a measly 12%. My responder was lying in a ditch somewhere, but apparently I've given it CPR and it's come up 20%. I'm now 32%. Well, look at you. I know. Uh, have you noticed I'm cuddlier? I def- definitely. More cuddly. loving, more caring? I have, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there you go. There you go. The proof is in the pudding. I am still a high shaper, but I'm not in the 90s anymore. Your intensities come down? Yes. So I'm only about an 83 shaper. Oh. So still high, but um, you're not as, like, not, you know, 96. So first 90. language is yeah. shaper, and then tell me the rest. And then doer, influencer, responder, mover, producer, and my contemplator is coming in last. It was second the last time I tested. So that should be interesting, because now I'm a first language contemplator, and you're a last language contemplator. Yeah. Uh, I it was funny because I did the test and sweet Allison is away on vacation. And so I didn't expect to hear from her, but I guess it must email her if somebody takes a test. Mm-hmm. And so she texted me from some park somewhere in the north of the USA uh, saying, uh, your contemplator died. And I was like, I know, I don't know what happened. And she said she thinks it's just in a season that I'm in a season where I've had to do a lot of doing and shaping and I haven't had a lot of time to sit and think. Well, that's true, because if you think about our new role at Grey Center, it's all been do, do, do. It's all been do, and I haven't had time to sit and think. And so, I'm not actually doing much of the doing, I'm doing a lot of the strategizing, which makes sense. You're doing my... more thinking, yeah. yeah, and I'm doing more doing and stuff. So, so there you go. If yeah. you haven't done your life languages, or haven't a clue what we're talking about, look at the show notes, there's links to a couple of episodes, highly worth it, I'd really encourage you to yeah, do it. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. Okay, so our main topic for the podcast today is reducing stress. 
That sounds stressful. I know, right? Well, let's not be stressed while we're discussing reducing stress. <laughs> well, what I like about this and what we try to do on the podcast is not give you like textbook answers. These are answers born out of our experiences of, of enduring seasons of considerable stress. If we have any answers. Well, we have five because I can see them. They're written down. Well, yes, Here's I know. But I tips. mean, you know, there's probably even more answers, generally speaking, out there in the world. Undoubtedly. Yes. There's yes. professionals that build their whole life around reducing stress. <laughs> it's true. It's We're true. just amateurs. Well, do you want me to define stress for you? Would you? Yeah. Stress is defined as a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's worth pointing out that the episode is called Reducing Stress, Not Avoiding Stress. Yes. Because some some good things do come from short periods of stress. It's true. You your, grow. Yeah, your character is refined. Yep. And actually, stress in its best sense, does produce stuff in you to help. It's a bit like adrenaline. If you're constantly in a high state of adrenaline flooding your system, that's not good. If you're being chased by a bear, a shot of adrenaline is really, really helpful in that <laughs> Really situation. necessary, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think stress is a bit like that. Although I did read an article on bears, and apparently they don't chase you all that often. So maybe you'd be okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just feel like I've had the wind taken out of my sails. I'm sorry. Back to the chasing bear. Yes, adrenaline. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay. I'm going to store up some piece of information that I can use to deflate the next example. You okay. Just watch. Okay. Just watch. It's going to be right. fantastic. Go for it. So if we're talking about reducing stress. Yeah. And we look at your definition. Tell me your definition again. It's a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. So, parenthood. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, well, if you're going to reduce stress then, yeah, you either have to change the circumstances that are producing the stress or change yourself so that those circumstances don't work on us anymore. Right. Or third we just ask God for grace to endure it. I mean, uh, maybe we ask God for grace no matter what. And then, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. We're talking before, and we've got five strategies that we've employed in our life to help reduce stress. Yes. And it's worth noting that there are some severe situations around the world that cause significant stress. I'm not sure these are going to work for that. Like, I'm, right. I'm aware that the greatest measures of stress that we've ever faced are still first world problems in all reality. But with that in mind, I'd imagine most of our podcast listeners are first world listeners. So hopefully you will find some measure. The very first one on our list is something that you taught me early on in our marriage. Would you like to talk about it? Sure. Um, my It's the whole thing of stop borrowing trouble. I never understood this concept until one day we were driving along and I was sharing what's on my heart and you said, babe, it feels like you're borrowing an awful lot of trouble. And I was like, I, I do not know what you speak of. So can you explain it to us like we're five-year-olds? Yeah. So it's like when you kind of let your mind get away with you and maybe you have a conversation or you hear about a circumstance and then you start to think about all the things that could be going on in the background. You don't know if they're happening or not, um, but you start to sort of emotionally spiral out of control to the worst case scenario uh, scenarios happening. Okay, scenario scenarios. <laughs> now, to be fair, the reason that was such a shock to me to hear you say is probably I was raised in a culture or a climate 
where we borrow trouble all the time. And for me, that was just a normal way of life. And I didn't realize there was another way of living. Right. As in, we had more faith in bad things happening than we did in good things happening. Right. So, you know, whatever, you start to not feel well. And instead of thinking, oh, it's probably a bug that's going around, you're thinking, I've got cancer. This is it. I'm going to die. No, <laughs> you know, like everything goes for real. to the nth degree. Yeah. For real. I have a friend who periodically is convinced they have cancer. And so I say, well, you know, if 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 you're concerned about that, I might suggest you stop looking at WebMD and actually make an appointment with a doctor right. who could actually eradicate that. And they refuse to do that because they're worried that if they do, they'll confirm that it's cancer. Right. And I'm like... But they're already eating the fruit of thinking it's cancer anyway. Right. Wouldn't you like to know... I mean, if, if, if it is, wouldn't you like to know about it so that you could do something about it? And if it isn't, think of the peace that that would bring you. And P.S. It is most likely not. Right. But you will never know because you're left in this downward spiral of despair. Right. It's always dangerous to fill in the gaps where we don't have information. Like that's always going to add worry, whether it's relational conversations or work situations or health things. Don't try and fill in the gap when you don't actually have the information. Well, it also ties in with Bill Johnson's brilliant saying of we're at our dumbest when we think we know the motives of another person's heart. Right. So, like, do you borrow trouble when your boss sends you an email and says, I need to speak to you on Monday? Right. Are, are we like, okay, that's it. I'm probably fired. Yeah, you spend the whole weekend worrying. Right. Then, it, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, th- you really helped me with that. Would Would you say, this is interesting, I always put you on the spot on it. Okay, here. thanks. Would you say... <laughs> that you've noticed the difference from when you first told me about not borrowing trouble? Um, yes. <laughs> that is the correct answer. I would say that. I would say sometimes I still have to remind you, but, but with smaller circumstances. I'm sorry, folks, we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> we, we, we can't hear AJ. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like my uh, static noise? Yeah, that was, that was a thing of beauty. Thanks. I'm pretty sure my pop filter is now covered in spit. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, number two. Yes. This is an important one that we learn. Again, we learned this from drowning in in stress. Yes. And if we hadn't gone through that season, we wouldn't have learned this number two. Number Very two true. is be proactive. Yeah. Would you agree that the worst season of our life and marriage was the season when we were absolutely crippled in debt? Um, it's not the worst season of my life, but of our married life, sure. <laughs> It was kind of a cakewalk, actually. No, just kidding. No, it was. <laughs> okay. Touche. Uh, thank you. But yes, it was a very tough season. <laughs> Forgot all about your early yeah, childhood. That whole thing, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Of course, I only think about our life as our married life, darling. Oh, see, isn't that lovely? Mm-hmm. What happened was we moved to America at the tail end of 2008. Yes. And the world was pretty much going through a financial collapse. Certainly America was. Yeah. Going into a recession of some sort. We didn't know anything about Dave Ramsey. Nope. We didn't know how expensive it was going to be to move nations. We incurred an awful lot of moving costs. Yes. And we also didn't know what it was going to be like living in America without... I mean, we our social security numbers were like two weeks old. Yeah. So what we didn't realize is when you get here, everything's done from your social security number. Like, yeah. Try and get cell phone service or utilities or gas or water. And anyway, in the process of moving, we we incurred a huge amount of um, debt, debt when we got yeah. here. 
And we'd never done Dave Ramsey. We didn't know what we were doing. We, no. I mean, I remember we had a leased car in Canada. Yes. And, and then we had to return it early to had, move to yeah. Nashville. So we had all these penalties. That was expensive. And then setting up a new life, a new house. Anyway. Yeah. We are just crippled in debt. And before we know it, we have debt collectors calling. And I don't know if I faced a stress worse than financial stress. It was horrible. The, the stress that comes. Yeah. But here's what happened is I just wanted to hide from that. Like maybe it will go away. But then we did Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We're, we're big fans of Dave's. Yeah. And his whole thing, I mean, he just arms you to the teeth with how to handle everything, you know, to realize you've made mistakes and fix them. But one of the things that he taught that we found was you have to be proactive. Now, I'm not just talking here about financial stress. I'm talking about stress in general. Right. Being proactive forces you to take responsibility. And when you take responsibility, you actually have a role in changing the climate that you're living in. Right. I got very, very good at speaking to debt collectors. I got very, very good at being assertive. I got very, very good at setting some boundaries. And while the stress didn't go away, it actually gave me a sense of power in that, no, I can actually do something about this. I am not a victim to my circumstances. Yeah. And it's not really just in those kind of situations. Like, it's not just with debt collectors. No, but, not at all. But if you can be proactive, you know, in relationship, if if you realize, gosh, you know, my heart's actually really hurt by such and such a person or by this situation. If you can be proactive and go, you know, instead of assuming that you know what's going on with the person. Right. Why don't you go ahead and have a discussion about that? And, and you know, well, I was going to be facetious and say be an adult. But, you know, sometimes we're just not that good when our hearts are hurt about being proactive and trying to sort something out. And I get it, because sometimes we'd rather settle for the amount of pain slash stress we're in, and we don't want to risk in case it makes it worse. Right. But I don't think I've ever experienced it getting worse by being proactive. Maybe short term, but no. longer term it has. Yeah. I remember my first, my first real job out of university. I want to work for a terrifying man. I mean, an ogre of a man. Yeah. And... I thought I'm I'm probably not going to survive without actually confronting this man. And so I gave it a couple of weeks. It was not getting any better. And I remember about maybe my fourth or fifth week in, I asked for a meeting with him. And yeah. I mean, he I mean, he just broke every HR rule under the sun. Hmm. My, my first day of work, he told me he'd break my legs if I had stuff spilling over from my desk onto his desk. Nice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not legal. And so I just... And he berated me for being a Christian as well. I'm like, what? I, yeah, he, he, I think he also had somebody hit him at work. He drove them to such distraction. Anyway, you know, he he would just use fear, intimidation, shame, fear, control, all that sort of stuff. So he was, you know, imposing character. But after about four or five weeks there, I asked for a meeting with him and I sat down and I wasn't trying to be rude. I wasn't trying to be boisterous, but I just said, hey, I would love to explain something that, you know, nine to five when I'm here you're going to get 100% from me. The the way you interact with me seems to suggest that you think I'm a slacker and, you know, really I'm not. But you you also use a lot of language in conversations that is setting some expectations for me to be working like nonstop. And I don't know how to say this without coming across as rude, but this job for me on a scale of one to 10 is about, you know, one being the most important thing, 10 being the least important thing. It's about a seven. And so what I mean by that is I I can get another job. Like if this job is not working for you, I'm fine to go get another job. Like this is not what I see my career being. 
But when I am here, it's a number one on my priority. But I have no interest in working outside the hours that are being set for me. If there's a crisis, of course. I'm just talking long term. Mm -hmm. And that didn't drastically change his behavior, but it did change the way his behavior worked on me. It didn't yes. have as much power because I'd been proactive. I'd I'd gotten over the fear of actually confronting the man and I, you know, got to set some parameters and some boundaries. And so being proactive is huge. It also gets us out of a victim mindset. Yeah. I, uh, I met with somebody a few weeks ago and just uh, worked with them on a proactive approach to some things that they were facing. And, uh, you know, this wouldn't have traditionally been how this person would have done life, you know, but just got to connect with them a few days ago and they were like, it worked and it was amazing. And you know, whatever. It's scary when you first start being, you know, proactive or assertive. Um, but it's, it's great and you can do it with kindness right? and you'll get great results. So I think, I think that's really important. I also think like, I sometimes think about when we first moved here, we would have, you know, coffees with people who would say, well, I can't, I can't make my rent and I can't do whatever, but then they're quitting their jobs left, right and center, or they don't, they want to work part-time. So they have time for coffee with their friends every day and that kind of stuff. And it's maybe it's, this is a season to be proactive in a different way. And that is, you know, work hard and, and, and shift things for yourself. Well, I think the concept of being proactive actually gives you a voice. Yeah. Because a lot of the time we can think I'm trapped. I'm a victim. This life is hard woes me there's nothing right. i can do about it right. and i don't think that's ever true right and it forces you to take some level of responsibility which is hard you know it really is hard because yeah. when i'm speaking debt to debt collectors it is my fault i did not manage my money well i was foolish i am now in debt now i owe you something i can't repay right but realizing actually there is something i can do about it i i don't have to do things on your terms i can actually create new terms would you help me work together with you blah 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 so being proactive super helpful. What is something else that's helpful at reducing our stress? How about uh, just talking to people? That'll never work. <laughs> you naysayer. Mm. Talking to people, just sharing your problems is is often is enough to actually help you even start to see the solution. It's what my mom used to say. A problem shared is a problem halved. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, it's not. Because when I finished the conversation, the problem is still there. But sometimes it really isn't. Because right. pro sometimes the path to the problem not being there has presented itself just through having conversation. Well, and also sometimes the problem isn't the source of our stress. It's all the mental gymnastics that we do. You know, the, all the kind of borrowing trouble stuff, all the feeling like we're a victim. You know, the more we think about it in an unhealthy way, increases the stress. So right. talking about it is hugely helpful from right. that perspective. And usually no two people have the exact same perspective. Right. So having somebody else look at your problem uh, that you're facing that seems insurmountable, they may have surmounted that problem before. Mm -hmm. And so even in sharing and talking about it, you can look at it together and go, oh, Okay, well, actually, that big thing just became a much smaller thing, and then it becomes a manageable thing. I remember one of the first people we talked about our season, you know, of financial stress was Jeff, mm -hmm. our, our pastor, our boss, our mm -hmm. leader, our good friend. And I didn't realize it, but the amount of effort we were putting in to keep up appearances and hold everything together was taking an enormous toll on us. Right. And, you know, speaking to Jeff didn't solve the problem. He didn't suddenly write us a check and all our finances went away. Right. But that whole thing of 
needing to pretend there isn't a problem just vanished. Yeah. And there's something powerful. When you tell another human being and let them in on your heart, you just humbled yourself. Yeah. When you display weakness, and God loves to give grace to the humble. And I think also knowing that there's other people praying for you because you were brave enough to share it actually means there's now a supernatural shift that can happen, right? So it's like, actually, we're not doing ourselves any favors by hiding. Right. So so find a counselor. Yep. A good friend. Yep. A pastor. Someone wiser than you. And actually share what's going on. Yeah. All right. Number four is kind of an extension of number three. Yeah. Kind of, you know, there's a bit of overlap there, but it's the whole thing of the power of community. It's unlikely, like you said, that you are going through something right now that other people haven't faced before. But the age-old lie of the enemy is, no, it's just you. It's just you that hasn't managed your marriage well. It's just you that's a terrible parent. It's just you that has an addiction. It's just you that has screwed up spectacularly. With, you know, and on right. and on and on. Yeah. And when we, like I said, when we told other people about our finances, when we told Jeff, we told other people and kind of let them in, the power of other people just... What's the word called? We call it syncing, synchronizing with you. What's it called? It's when people... Yeah, they just meet you where you're at. And acknowledge your pain. Yeah, yeah. It's huge when people are like, that must be really, really hard. Yeah, because then you can start to even process it with the Lord too. Like I, I find usually in seasons of stress, we're really not processing very well with the Lord. We're, right. As much as we're hiding from other people, we're usually hiding from Him, thinking He's upset with us and we have shame from that too. Mm-hmm. Where if actually you're able to talk about it, you're much more likely to also process with the Lord. And more than likely, the people that you're talking to have the same problem. Right. Or, or have, have had, had. It. Yeah. yeah. So the shock to us was being around people that we now know are very financially secure, very wealthy, very stable people. And when we'd begin to open up and tell them, we were just thrilled to hear that they were like, yeah, we remember that. Oh, we remember losing everything and we're like what but you guys look so stable you guys look like you have everything together like oh let us tell you like we paid the price right and i was like oh Oh. this is amazing and it gives you faith for something that you can't even imagine yet right so you're looking at breakthrough yeah marriages how many times have we had people come to us with kind of like shame i guess but with a sigh like okay this is what's going on in our marriage and we get to go Oh, yeah, we did that, too. And people are like, really? Yeah. You guys have such a great, amazing marriage. And we're like, yeah, but it didn't arrive overnight. Right. We just persevered in not killing one another <laughs> and getting help. Well, and, God refined us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's it's like what you were talking about, the prayers of other people. Yeah. It's not that when we're in a situation that our prayers aren't very helpful. It's just that they lack faith. Right. Because when you're in a pit. Yeah. You know, you have faith for the pit. You don't have faith for getting out of the pit. Right. Where yeah. When there's people standing around you above, you know, ground, their horizon is very different from yours. Sure. And they're, they've got more faith because they've actually seen God do it before. So it's super powerful. Yeah. All right, baby. Number five, take us home. The last one is just, this is just a purely pr- kind of practical one. Mm-hmm. Reduce your responsibility. So that just sort of means like automate anything that you can in your life that would potentially add to your stress. And why is that a big deal? Well, because um, actually the part of your brain that responds to making decisions responds the same way, whether it's a small decision or a big decision. That's some of the most fascinating research I've I've read. I remember reading an, an article in the Harvard Business Review a number of years ago um, that said exactly what you just said there. And then I remember reading an interview with President Obama 
and the interviewer you know, I'd followed him around for six months. He was doing a piece, I forget what it was for, you know, one of the big news, news week or something like that. And he said, I'm going to be the American president tomorrow. What do I need to know? And President Obama said, you need to reduce all your decision-making faculties. And he's like, what do you mean? He said, well, you'll notice I only wear two types of suit. I, I don't have to pick what I'm going to wear. He said, I have other people pick my food, other people plan my schedule. I don't concern myself with those things so that my brain is free for bigger things. Right. So I'm going to start picking your outfits in the morning. Well, we, we've already done a pretty good job of automating as much as we possibly can. We do. Yeah. We do stuff like we use Amazon for stuff that we know that we need every month. So I don't have to think about going and getting it. It just arrives at our door. Every but what's month. that called? Is it subscribe Amazon and subscribe safe? and safe? Yeah. So we basically just sit down one evening, load it up with everything we know we need on a regular basis. Yep. And then never ever run out of toilet paper or kitchen what do you call it? Paper towel. That's what it's yeah, called. paper towel. And and then depending on, you know, the kinds of things that we're eating at the moment, some things you I mean, you can tell it when you want it delivered once every three months, once every two months, once every month. So obviously toilet paper is a once a month thing. Um, but cashew nuts might be once every three months or whatever. But that is done. I don't have to think about that. I don't have to go find it. It's just a done thing. Same with like automating bills. Yeah. I don't have to remember to pay our mortgage or, you know, medical bills or whatever. It's just all automated. I just set it once. I forget about it. It is less things cluttering my head. It's yeah. the reason we eat at the same restaurants over and over again. And typically we eat one or two of the exact same meals. Just... I don't have to think about it. It's funny because I had some people comment on the fact that I had asked about places to eat in Reading a week before. And I thought, I don't want to have to worry about it when I'm there. I want to go online this week while I'm, you know, whatever, watching TV or whatever, look at the menus, decide if I can go there, blah, 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 and have a plan in place so that there's no stress for me when I'm there. But that's sort of how we do things anyway, isn't it? A mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's your shaper language. It Loving is. a plan. There you go. So I hope as you're listening to this, you're not in a overwhelming state of stress. But if you are, there's five things we hope you find helpful. Number one, stop borrowing trouble. Number two, be proactive. Remember, you're not a victim. Number three, talk to others about it. Number four, share with your community, which is kind of the same as number three, but a different focus. And number five, reduce your responsibilities. Try and automate as much as you can so that you have resources left to make decisions about the things that are important and not just the things that you actually have to think about. Yeah. Babe, do we have any listeners questions? We do. We have one. So this one's from Rebecca. And her question is, I've been listening to the fivefold ministry sermons, and I'm curious about where I fall into this. So she's talking about the sermons that you had done at Grace Center right. um, for three Sunday mornings. So she says she's curious about where she falls into this. Does every person fit into one of the five categories, or is there a, in quotation marks, peanut gallery of sorts for people who would categorize themselves as disciples without a powerful anointing of a specific gift? That's such a great question, Rebecca. You're asking a couple of questions there. Let me try and take them one by one. So you're asking, I'm curious about where I fall into this. So if for those of you who listened to the series, I've basically been talking about five gifts that Jesus Christ gives to his church, the gift of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. And your question is, where do I fall into this? That's a question that everybody asks. Like, I wonder, you know, you know, what am I? And my encouragement to you on that is the way you work out what you are is you let other people tell you from the fruit that you've produced in your life. 
And along with that, you'll find that confirmed by God, confirmed by your local church, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But here's the other thing is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 29, Paul says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, uh, do all work miracles? He goes on kind of asking rhetorically. And, and the, the question there is answered by no, no, not everybody is an apostle, not everybody's a prophet, not everybody's a teacher. It's it's quite likely that you could go through your whole life and that's not your strongest gift set because um, elsewhere in Scripture, he talks about first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then goes on and on and on with a list of other things about helps, administrations, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, there are a ton of gifts of the Holy Spirit to you. This passage is talking about gifts of Christ to the church. So, I don't think everybody has to be one of those things. Plus, I think, you know, elsewhere when Paul writes about the body being, you know, multifaceted, you know, there's eyes and ears and hands and, you know, all these different parts of the body. I think we can be all things. I don't know the term peanut gallery. I don't know. I don't know what that I don't know what that means or if there's connotations to that. I would hate people to th- go away with a revelation thinking that because they're not an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, or an evangelist, that somehow they're less than. That's that's not how the kingdom is organized at all. Right. I think whenever you're walking in the identity that God's given you, exercising the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you, you're, in, you're producing incredible fruit for the kingdom. So I know, for example, I have a friend you know, she's neither a, an apostle or prophet or any of those things, but she has, without a doubt, the gift of hospitality. And when you stay in her house, you touch heaven. You feel like a king. You feel you are loved tremendously. And I, I wonder if the gifts are the way you express love to the body. That's good, babe. That's a good. That's good. And then I think those five. You know, I talked about this a little bit. There's, there's the big difference between a prophet and somebody who prophesies i.e. somebody who the, has the gift of the office of the prophet and somebody has a gift of prophecy, is that the, the, the prophet raises other prophets. Right. But either of them can prophesy as well as one another. Right. And sometimes, actually, somebody with a gift of prophecy can prophesy better right. than somebody with the office of the prophet, because that's not the role. So, I think, yes, um, by its nature, not everybody is an apostle, not everybody is a prophet, not everybody is a teacher, and so on and so forth. But yes, I also think we all have gifts that God has given us, and part of the gifts that we have is ourselves. Like you, Rebecca, are a gift to your community without you even having any of those other gifts, which I'm sure you do. That's right. right? You, you are the only Rebecca that the people in your community have, and so the sooner you come to peace with, oh, this is who I am, this is how I'm wired, this is what God's built me, everybody benefits from that. Right. I hope that made sense. Yeah. All right, let's land this plane. Are you ready? Yeah. Our podcast now has chapters. Woohoo! Last week, we introduced the concept of chapters. Now, all that means is, do you remember CDs? Yes. You remember you'd put a CD in your car, and you're listening to an album, and you like the first two songs, but you want to skip the third song? You just reach out and press the skip track button? Yep. And it would skip to the next track? Yep. That's pretty much what chapters are for podcasts. Yes. Yeah. So that's amazing. What that means is you can very easily find your favorite parts of an episode that you were listening to and or you can skip the bits you don't care about. So if you're listening to a listener's question, you're like, I, I don't care about the answer to this, you can skip on or you know, whatever. Right. The, the issue is you need a better podcast player than the one that comes standard with your iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah, because Apple's podcast player, while it's great in that it's installed on every iPad, every iPhone, right. and you don't need to do anything, right? right? You're, you, that's you, my purple one, is it? That's your purple one. Okay. It doesn't, for whatever reason, support chapters. 
Bummer. So okay. you will not see that. You're like, hey, you said you had chapters, but you sit on a throne of lies. Mm. It's not that. You need a better podcast player. Okay. The one that we recommend is Overcast. It's it's completely free. And by we, you mean you, because I'm about to download Overcast right now. <laughs> At a girl. It's going to be fun. The one that I recommend yes. is Overcast. It's got a ton of great features in it. It's free. But the one that you're going to like is that it has chapter markers. I'll put a link in the show notes to Overcast in the App Store. You can download it and use that as your podcast player. Um, if you've got a question that you would like us to ask, Rebecca last week sent in a question via Alan and AJ.com slash ask. You can too. If you have a burning question you'd like us to try and answer on air, we'd be happy to do that. Just visit the URL, Alan and AJ.com slash ask. And if you would like the show notes for today's show, go ahead and head over to alanandaj.com slash 161. I just realized something that we said we were going to do last week that we completely forgot about and haven't done for this week. What? Our listener survey. <gasps> oh no. What are we going to do? I'm going to go back in time. <laughs> and create one. It's Friday, babe. That's the advantage of recording on a Friday. Hey guys, remember last week we said we we're going to have a listener survey? Well, it's going to be up Yay! by the time that you listen to this. <laughs> Follow us on social media at Alan and AJ. That is A-L-Y-N-A-N-D-A-J. And we will post instructions on how to give us your feedback and what the fabulous prizes that we're about to invent will be. <laughs> yes, uh, we should go now and invent prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week. We're about to come up with some amazing prizes. We look forward to reading your feedback next week. We hope you have a truly amazing week and we will be back next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God the things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan yeah. and AJ oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 